This is a special feature from Overdrive. And now, here's our broadcast. Hi, I'm Todd Dills. The uh, Entry-Level Driver Training Advisory Committee continues its meetings today in D.C. Uh, again, as I've said before, I'm out there on an accelerated schedule with uh, uh, five uh, in-person meetings scheduled through the end of May. And they're hoping to get uh, finished uh, on work on a rule uh, by mid, mid-June or so, I believe. I uh, wanted to introduce today the owner-operator that sits on the committee. He's also a, uh, an owner-operator independent driver's association uh, board of directors member. His name is Brian Spoon uh, from Grandy, North Carolina. They, he's a flat better, uh, hauling you know, one-man, one-truck, independent business. And I uh, got the opportunity to sit down with him at the last meeting in D.C. And we just kind of had an informal uh, conversation about some of the issues around driver training and his history in trucking uh, a bit and uh, uh, the issue of uh, easing uh, military uh, drivers into uh, civilian uh, transport roles and how uh, the training piece uh, might uh, play a part in that. Everybody on the on that committee otherwise seems to be more or less speak, speaking for a uh, kind of a segment of people, like a lot of association folks. Uh, there are some people from, I guess it was a trainer from Stevens Transport. He used to be with CBTA, right, yeah. But um, but you know, so that that whole notion of you you're here, yeah. you're speaking for uh, some uh, millions of. Uh, commercial drivers out there. Yeah. How do you feel about it? What do you, well, I mean, do you think about it? I'm glad to be here. I'm, I hope that my input is helpful into the process. Uh, I think it's necessary in the process. It's about time that some guy that doesn't wear a suit and tie every day to work gets to sit in on some meetings where regulations are actually hashed out and, and, and things are, are actually are in the process. Sure, sure. <clears throat> It's interesting. I, I've never seen them do this before. Uh, the whole negotiated rulemaking thing. What? I guess it's only been done like in as far as DOT is concerned, like two other times. Right. Not FMCSA though. But I, I it, once it, I had it had to do once I think with uh, one time with the container chassis situation, I which that. I don't really think it actually came up with much of anything. Okay. The truth. Um, this is this is kind of crazy, right? Three months, five meetings. Uh, yeah. Talk a little bit about how, how, how are you going to get here? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> well, talk, um, right? you know, lucky enough, I got I could put my truck three hours south of here at the house and everything. But uh, there are going to be times where I'm going to have to see if uh, FMCSA can find me a place or uh, work something out with the Maryland State Police out at the scale house because. Uh, uh, you know, it's going to take me out of the round, and unlike the majority of the individuals, probably all of them except for me up there, you know, they're drawing their regular paycheck while they're here. You know, when I'm sitting, you know, the, the government's nice enough to give me a couple of dollars a day to eat on, but for the most part, you know, no. it's money out of pocket for me. But it's fine. I don't, you know. Right. And do you come to the training issue um, from some interesting perspectives? Was I reading that you have actually put together some, you've done some training yourself in the past or currently or what? Yeah, um, in the, more towards the beginning, Mike, well, in the military I did a lot of training, um, worked as a training chief, wrote some curriculums, and then also developed some curriculums when I worked for a local construction company in the Virginia Beach area on uh, truck driver training, and at one, at one time 
Um, when I held a Virginia CDL license, I was a Virginia third-party signature, which meant I could sign off on the driving portion of the test at the DMV. Okay, right, sure. That's pretty interesting. What do you think, uh, I mean, I just, I know there's lots, there's lots of discussion around training issue among drivers, and a lot of guys, what I hear from a lot of folks and what I've heard from a lot of folks over the year around this rule always seems to be centered on not, they seem to have a, a conception of it as being a, a need for training after you get the CDL, but this is not, this is before. It's, it's a good starting point okay. in pre-CDL um, training, but you can't adequately train somebody pre-CDL without having a follow-on training program also. I mean, if you go to you go to truck driver training school in Florida, you're not going to go drive through the mountains. You're not. You're, that's something you're going to have to do, you know, by experience on the road. So, no, I think there has to be a follow-on training afterwards that that follows the memory. And it doesn't necessarily even have to be with a, the company's version of it, but with a, a federal version of it that is run. X amount for the first, especially for the first three years that an individual has their CDL license. Yeah. But what we're doing here, it sounds like, is we're 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 determining uh, we're writing writing a rule for whatever's required before you go and actually take the test. Right. right yeah. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? What's uh, you know, from your perspective, like what what seems reasonable, what seems necessary? Well, I if think so. It, if if yeah. there is. You know, the, the big fight is over, really, is the curriculum hours, the hours version of training compared to the performance-based training. And I really think it's got to be a hybrid of both. I mean, there is going to be some standardized, you've got to have this many hours of book work training. Um, but, you know, as MAP 21 and the lawsuit and the court system has said that, you know, CDL training has to include behind-the-wheel training. Right. Well, just a proficiency test isn't behind-the-wheel training because, you're, you know, that's behind-the-wheel testing. So there is going to have to be a minimum set of hours right. classroom, a minimum set of hours closed and open course with a trainer while you're driving, and then a proficiency test um, to get out on the end. And do you think that there will be some allowance for, uh, I guess you could call it, less uh, formal options to do that? Uh, you know, like so much, so much of trucking right. is uh, is a man and is uh, uh, teaching his father. I mean, a man teaching his son how to drive. Right. You know, things of that nature. And you know, those are going to be the points that are going to be the hardest to hash out. How are you going to? Um, but you know, there's they've got to have set standards. The rule, Map 21 says it has to be. Congress says it has to have. We have to have standards. And if that means that there has to be some sort of a course that is developed for that everyone has to go through, that's just the way it is. It's like you know, it's just like being certified. You know, your dad's a welder and you're a welder, but to get the certification, you still got to go through a course to get the certification. You still got to take the class, right. and you still got to put the minimum amount of hours in. And, 
and so on. So yeah. technicians and stuff. I mean, I think about all kinds of professions where that's right. the case. I mean, like literally, you know, in for taking an eighty thousand pound vehicle out over the roads on the public highway system, all you have to do is go take a test. Right. Uh, you know, in the state of North Carolina, you have to have three hundred hours to be a nail technician. So. I'm saying there's going to be set hours everybody's going to have to apply to. Them. Right. And the only caveat that I have is is in the case of veterans. You know, you went to a DOD-approved school. I still think that there needs to be some mandatory training involved because it is different. Military driving of a truck and the equipment and the processes are different than in the civilian world. But my envision of a, a program for veterans isn't as much, you know, you know, isn't as much in the training you how to drive the truck portion as it is preparing you for what a career in professional driving will be on the civilian side. Hours of service, weight distribution, rules and regulations, what can and can't be done. I think some of the portions of this too that's going to be kind of dependent on how deep in the weeds they get on things because, you know, as it comes to issuing the license well you know licenses are issued by the states so i don't know how much pushback you're going to have from the states on what they're going to have to do to you know to work in this process to, I mean, to, that, a lot yeah, there's a lot of infrastructure there, that is yeah. not there that will need to be right if, if this is going to work yeah. <laughs> uh, there's we've got to come up with a way that when a training school or an individual trainer you know, has got to have some way of having skin in the game for the people that they're training. So if you, know, you had instructor A and his instructor number is blah, 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 then for the next three years, FMCSA tracks that person, whether that's through a CSA-style program with violations and so on and accidents, and then you can create data towards that instructor so you know you can see well is this guy just pushing people through I mean if he has a high rate of of students that are getting a high amount of violations or or, or getting in, in accidents then maybe there's something wrong with the training process so what why did you uh, why did you want to do this well it's just one uh, honestly, I didn't know that I'd actually be here. So, uh, but uh, I had some experience in training. Uh, it doesn't behoove me, as the individual owner operator, to have people on the road with me that aren't trained. So, I mean, I'm here to try to improve the industry. To and I think in the long run, better training not only equals better drivers, but it equals people who want to who will stay within the industry. There won't be such a turnover rate in the industry, right? So they're by requiring something like this up front, it makes it more. It makes it kind of more of an investment, to begin right? With. Exactly. I mean, so, if you have to put something in in the beginning of it, then yeah. more than just taking a test and going out and doing stuff, you know, maybe you'll stay in the industry. You'll, you know, right. you like to think longer in the industry, the better you get at it, the more experience you get, the safer you are.